to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Please open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, I have a great word. I just felt this morning to speak on the subject of offense. Turn to the person next to you and say, are you offended? And the reason for this message is to lay a foundation for version 3 of the city. Like what Kirk was saying, we're excited about where we are as a local church. We're excited about where God wants to take us. We've come uh, a long way in the last eight years. We sense destiny. We sense uh, purpose. And yet, I know that whenever God has planned for the church, the enemy will have a similar plan. God's plan is abundant life. God's plan is prosperity. God's plans progress. God's plans impact. But the devil's plan is to still kill and destroy. Amen. And so we want to expose one of his greatest weapons this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, we want to expose. Come on, just help me preach this morning. We want to expose one of the devil's greatest weapons. And that's offense. I entitled my message this morning, The Snare of Offense. I'll explain to you the title as we go along. I taught you a Greek word in my last message. I'll teach you one more Greek word in this message. You can go back to your school and to your workplace and profess to be a to be an expert in Greek after learning this word in this message. But I want to speak to you on the snare of offense. Say the snare of offense. If snare is too big a word for some of us, the word means trap. The trap of offense. The snare of offense. Let's read three verses from Luke 17. It says, Then he said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It, w- it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he would throw into the sea than that he should of- offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. Underline those forwards. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. The Bible says in verse 1 that Jesus said to his followers, to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. Now, I'm using American English this morning. I, I was processing with uh, Lee Chen, uh, with uh, Adora a, a little bit. I realized that actually in English, the, the, word, uh, the word offense is spelled O-F-F-E-N-C-E. But I, I was... Uh, reading different books, and I was a little bit confused, and so I changed even the Bible. My, my bad. <laughs> I changed the spelling on this verse to O-F-F-E-S-C, but it's the, it's the same word. All right, if you don't believe me, ask uh, Google. It's the same word. And to all the Americans uh, here, welcome home. <laughs> to all those who grew up in... Uh, in, uh, Sing- in Singapore, my apologies, but just for the sake of this morning's message, it is the same word, it's offense, alright? So I'm talking about the trap of offense. And it's very interesting in verse 1 that Jesus said to His followers, to all of us, 
whether it's in the, in the days of the apostles or in the 21st century, it is impossible that, that, that no offense should come, which means that as long as you are alive, we will be offended. As long as you're alive, there will be offenses. It's impossible that no offenses should come. Listen, friends, here's what is impossible, that you should go through life, go through this journey, go through your happy life without someone doing something that upsets you. It's impossible. It is impossible that, that you would have a happy life with no one offending you. It's impossible. Jesus said so. Unfortunately, on this journey, you will probably upset a lot of people. Hello? But you also upset, but you also be upset by a lot of people. A lot of people will upset you. You will be offender, but you also be the offended. You will upset people. People will upset you. That's why Jesus said it is impossible that no offense should come. In fact, Matthew 24 verse 10, when he talks about the last days, he says many will be offended. Many will. Many will betray one another. Many will hate one another. Many will be offended. What's the reason? The reason is in James chapter 3, verse 2, that James said, we all stumble. We all stumble in many things. We, if, we, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Friends, the reason why there will be offenses, the reason why we upset one another is because we all stumble, especially in the area of our words. All people fall short, sin, make mistakes, struggle to communicate properly, tend to, our, to ourselves. We are, we are recovering selfish people. Many of the things hurt us. And the result and the reason for that is because we are immature and we are growing and there's a lack of self-control. That's why the Bible says, the Bible says if any one of us is perfect, the word perfect is the word mature. The reason why we stumble in our words, the reason why we offend one another is because we are maturing. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are maturing. And part of and part of the expressions of an immature person is a lack of self-control. Sometimes we don't say the right thing. If you don't believe that, ask my children. Or even ask me. I say the left thing. So that's why Luke 17 and verse 3, Jesus said this, Take heed to yourselves. What does it mean? It simply means that you can't control the external. You can't control the fact that people will offend you, that there will be offenses, that, you will, that people will stumble in their words, people will offend you in their actions. You cannot stop it. But take heed to yourself. Take heed. See, life is really about people, right? Sometimes some of us who are introverts feel that, would it be great if uh, the world is perfect or if I'm the only person in the world? that can live in this cocoon or I can just be all by myself on this island, it will be a perfect life. But friends, I'm here to burst that, that bubble. Paradise does not exist on this earth. That life is about people and people do wonderful things to us. They come to us, they buy us cards, they, they say encouraging words to us, but also people do weird things to us. Not just Christians, even pre-believers do wonderful things to us. But not just pre-believers, even Christians do weird things to us. Amen? 
Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentional, but the result is we are often hurt, there's misunderstanding, and we have to use this as a great chance for us to grow. Oftentimes we think that this wouldn't happen in church. But perhaps this morning you're already offended because your usual seat, someone else is in that. That usual corner that you prefer to hide, there's a newcomer in that seat. And you couldn't worship in the worship service just now because someone else is taking your seat. Or you're walking in and no one says hi. Your cell group didn't acknowledge you and you are upset this morning. You can't worship. See friends, it happens even in the house of God. That's why when Andre was like trying to rile you up, you were quiet because you said, I'm angry this morning. And you find fault. It's only trying to just be the, do, do the rah-rah thing. It's all, I mean, we are, we are upset. We are offended by every single little thing. You see Axel coming, walking around with his torn jeans. How can a youth leader wear torn jeans? You're upset. The guy is a bit slow on the, on the slide and you're upset. The song that we sing is all new. You're upset. See, we're all offended, even in church. That's why people come and go. That's why you know, we, we comment behind one another's back. Offenses will come. But friends, the Bible says, take heed to yourself. Take heed. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk to you about taking heed to offenses. And the first question we want to answer is, what is an offense? What exactly is an offense? Let's look at the word offense. The Greek word is, ta-da, scandalon. An easy word, right? Easier than the last tongue twister, tetelestai. All right, this is the Greek word, scandalon, and I'm sure you've got it. It's the same word in English which means scandal, scandalize, scandal. Offense is the Greek word scandalon. And the word offense in the Bible is the word scandalon in, in which all of us, you know, we know this, get the word scandal. And when you're growing up, when I was growing up, I'll, I love to, even as a young person, even as a Christian, I, 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 would, I would buy scandalous magazines. Especially when you're a brand new believer, you read teenage magazine, right? You read what's happening in the world, this teenager, and now it's, it's, it's becoming a li- little bit more, uh, not scandalous, uh, uh, easier. It's easier for you to get access to scandals. When I was growing up, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook, and you've got to actually wait for next month's magazine to know what's the latest juicy scandal. But now you, you would know straight, straight away that Justin Bieber is now a baptized Hillsong Church member and all the comments that you read, is this for real? Is it just a publicity stunt? And, and you start commenting, you love to read all the scandals. Right? I can only know Justin Bieber because you know, that's the latest I've come to. I know there are a lot, a lot more newer celebrities who have got no idea who they are. <laughs> I'm offended. But how quick people you know, come and go and I can't keep up. But scandalous. 
we get hold of newspaper, we read the latest church scandal, we comment on Facebook, and I tell you, it upsets me. Whenever I read comments that are senseless, ah, angry, upset. But then we take it, we spread it. All right, we love to spread scandals. We go around, have you heard this, right? We sit down for coffee and we start saying, well, we have to keep so-and-so in prayer, man. So-and-so is doing A, B, C, D, E. Now we use prayer as an excuse to gossip and to spread the scandal. Alright, you start chatting in your WhatsApp group and say, have you heard this? And you, have, and you have to start a separate WhatsApp group because the person you are commenting about is in your usual WhatsApp group and so you start having a new group and you chat and then after a while, the guy who's in the WhatsApp group found out that there's a separate WhatsApp group and then you start getting scandalous. Am I talking to the right crowd this morning? Does it happen or it's just in my world? There are whole magazines devoted to scandals. There are journalists and reporters you know, who thrive on, on finding the latest scandal. See, the word scandalon means literally setting a trap deliberately. Setting a trap deliberately. That, that would cause someone to stumble in their walk so that someone coming along trips up and falls and their journey is hindered. Uh, is hindered. It's a trap. The word scandal means a trap. It's a trap that you set up intentionally, deliberately to stumble someone else. You get it? It's a trap. Whenever you spread a scandal, you, whenever you spread an offense, you are setting a trap for someone else to trip to stumble and to fall. An offense is where I actually set out to do something that would trip up someone else. That's what an offense is. Uh, I'll explain a little bit more. It is how I respond to the offense. It is how I respond to information. How I respond is the offense. See, friends, it is inevitable that the actions of other people, their failure to act can be, cause, can be a cause of stumbling to one another, but we all make mistakes. We make mistakes, we sin and fall, and uh, these are not offenses. Right? Me not acknowledging Andre when he walks in is not the offense. It's a mistake, <laughs> it's an oversight, it's a weakness, but it's not the offense, it's not the trap. The offense is when he interprets my action or inaction, have a view, and starts talking to cons and say, cons, Daniel is uh, now somebody powerful with you. Uh. Forget how I used to serve him, carry his back. Now he has got Titus carrying his back. He forgets about me already. Uh. And then Constance starts thinking, yeah, it's true. Uh. Three years ago on this particular day, I walk into church. He also forget to acknowledge me. I think you are right. And then two of them look for John Wong and say, John, I have to do something about chairman of the board here. He's becoming a little... And, uh, and that's the offense. It's a trap. And John, who had a neutral view, start having a view and say, oh yeah, last week I overlooked and I saw him like walking past a newcomer not saying hi. I think it's true. That's the offense. See, we, we often miscommunicate. Now, that's one of my biggest 
challenges, all right? It's a, it's a weakness. You, you may think I've been speaking so much and I'm a great communicator. Now I can present a sermon. But if I do strengths finder, communication is all the way down. Uh. There, are th- there are 34 top strengths, strengths, all right? There's no weakness. You're, you're all strong, all right? But, but, my, but my 30th lowest strengths, positive psychologists say we're all gifted. Right, but it's really a weakness. So my, 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 all the way from bottoms up, my 30th is communication because I find it very hard to articulate clearly my internal process, all right, my thinking because I'm an internal processor and sometimes I'll process outwardly, verbally to try to clarify. But ask people who have worked with me. That is a weakness. I, I'm trying very hard to explain exactly how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. Ask my wife, ask my kids. They can tell you it's a weakness. There's an area that needs growth, maturity, development. I don't find, I can't say oh, it's just me. Uh, this is who I am. I just can't communicate. I have to grow. But these are not the offenses. You, you get it? All right. Me not clearing my communication to John Wong is not the offense. I'll explain more. See, people are offended by different things. Many things can cause people to stumble to be offended. Truth is one. Jesus is one. You go to school, talk about Jesus, people are offended. Correction. Wise, godly counsel. Unmet expectations. These are all things that can cause people to stumble and be offended. See, truth can deeply offend people, especially if the truth comes in the form of feedback or correction. It is possible to be a, is it possible, friends, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ without correction? Can we try to follow Jesus without ever being corrected? And can I also suggest to you that don't think that you know, only Jesus can correct you. I can only be corrected by Jesus Christ. Christine tried to correct me. Who do you think she is? She's only Christine Cheng, not Christine Christ. I cannot be corrected by Christine Cheng. Indrali, changed name, still Christine Cheng. <laughs> I mean... It doesn't all come from Jesus. We actually need others to talk into our lives to help us see what we can't see. Don't be overly spiritual and say, the Holy Spirit is my teacher. I will only be discipled by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> He's hovering over me. Always say, already, heaven cannot close one. He's hovering on my life. I carry him like Bill Johnson, like a handkerchief on my shoulder. He's always with me. He will correct me. Andre Chan, who do you think he is? People think like that. We, but friends, we live in a community. We live in relationships. And when we're in relationships, people get affected by our behavior. When someone speaks truth into our lives because they love us and want us to grow, but sometimes we are offended. I still remember growing up and when people try to correct me, and especially when you're younger and you are prideful, or you're learning humility because you think, you think that to be corrected means that it's your fault and, and you fight back, you push back. I struggle with my leaders correcting me. Whether it's in church or at work. I struggle, it's pride. I, you know, I'll, I'll resist. You know, I'll, uh, I'll be upset. 
But I've got to, to choose to humble myself. You have hear many stories from me of me writing notes back to my pastor and said, thank you for correcting me. And it's just me learning to exercise my humility muscle and say thank you. Now, correction is always 50-50. Yeah? It's 50% correct, 50% is observation and perception, right? So listen to the truth in the correction and don't be offended by people's perception or observation. People see in part, they prophesy in part. They speak in part. So don't be offended by what you think is only an observation and that you miss out on what can actually help you grow and mature. The truth in that statement. Amen? Come on. Correction that people consider an offense is not a snare to draw them into sin, but an act to love them and to help them out of sin. That's what, that's what correction is. Someone coming to you and said, hey, part of growing up means that you've got to be accountable, you've got to be transparent. And you say, okay, thanks. Which part of uh, my life do you think I've not been, been account- accountable? Or which part of my life do you think that I need to grow you know, in being transparent? Tell me a little bit more. Don't you say, no! Especially when the person is close to you. Especially between husband and wife. Hello? Right? Everyone can, can correct us except our spouse. My friends can teach me except my parents. Right? We, we, we are all resistant to receive correction and instruction, advice from those who are closest to us because, they, because you think that they should just be a bit more encouraging and not. But part of interaction means that, hey, joy is always sharpening me and vice versa. Sometimes you know, I'll, in my tiredness, you know, I'll say strange and weird things. She will say, hey, watch what you are saying. Vice versa. We have to remind one another. But listen, the key issue is how we respond. It's always a choice. Amen? Unmet expectations, correction, disappointments in life, people letting us down, all have the potential to stumble us. But we can choose to allow these things to grow us and not be offended. Amen? Come on. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a choice. But you know what? Your response is also a matter of life and death. Prison or promotion. You can be imprisoned by the things others do because you harbor an offense against them. Or you can grow in grace and love and and the character of Christ by reaching out to God and releasing into the situation the grace of God. See, a lot of people, I believe in this morning, are in a prison because you're offended and you have not let go of the offense. You may say, I've forgiven, but you have not let go of the offense. And you are in a prison. And only you yourself can walk out from that, from that prison. And that's what I want to help us do this morning. But before that, let's look at the Bible for some people who became offended. And the outcome, the fruit of the offense. First up, we've got Cain. Was Cain offended? He was offended by God's correction. God, God was saying, that's a wrong sacrifice. Your brother's sacrifice is what I receive. Offended. Murder his brother. The first murder in the Bible. Anger led to murder. What, 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 what about Joseph's brothers? They were offended by what? They were offended by, not by the dream, but by Joseph's immaturity. Joseph was just there, you know, in his excitement, reflecting and sharing what dream he has received from the Lord, but he was offended. They were offended by the Father's favor on Joseph's life. And that led to hate and murder. 
They thought he was dead. What about Saul? He was offended by David's popularity, right? David was popular. There was a, there was a song going on after he slain Goliath and, and, and uh, the woman on the street were dancing and singing, Saul slay a thousand, David slay ten thousand, became insecure, Saul, and he, he had a price on David's head, became offended by David's popularity. What about Naaman? The general from Syria was offended by God's ways. Right? The prophets say, just go and dip yourself in the Jordan for seven times and you'll be healed. He, the prophet gave him a prescription and, an, and a clear prophetic instruction, but because it was way below his pay grade, right? <laughs> and so he said, what do you mean? I, I, I could have dipped myself in the river back in Syria. This dirty, murky river in Jordan, in Israel, what do you mean? He was offended by God's ways anger, rage, refused to submit himself to God's uh, ways and almost missed his miracle because of the offense. What, what about Absalom? David's very own son was offended by David's failure as a father. See friends, we have imperfect parents. Ask my children. Ask me. Ask my parents. We are all brought up by imperfect parents. Don't blame your destiny. I've said this a hundred times on your parents' failures. I mean, we have a choice. But Absalom was offended by David's failure and he became upset. There was betrayal and almost murder. Absalom almost killed his own dad because of the offense. Herod, Herod's wife, was offended by truth. John the Baptist confronted the adulterous relationship and hatred and all, and, he, and she murdered. She murdered John the Baptist. I want his head on a platter. Angry, hatred, murder. What about the Pharisees? We just passed Good Friday, Easter. What killed Jesus was really jealousy and offense. The Pharisees were upset that Jesus had a more powerful ministry, that Jesus had the better truth, that Jesus had all the revelations, that the crowd was now flocking to Jesus and they're now missing temple worship. The Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders of those days, the, the wise counsel that people sought, now no longer, people no longer go to the Pharisees, now they're going to Jesus. They were jealous, they were envious, they were upset, and they murdered Jesus. The fruit of offense is almost always murder. It's almost always hatred. Now, it may look different in the 21st century because killing someone ends up, you end up in the, in the gallows. So you, so you don't kill, but you kill with your words. You start going around spreading lies and spreading gossip and you start attacking. You, you start sowing discord and creating divisions and you undermine the kingdom of God. You, you, you divide the body of Christ and it's all because of the murderous spirit. So the question we want to answer this morning is how to deal with offenses? How do we deal with offense when they come to us? See, offenses created divisions in relationships. You must understand this. So whenever there's an offense, the result is always division. There's always separation. And if you take it further, it becomes a root of bitterness, spring up, defiling the entire body. Offense will always, almost always lead to death. 
death of purpose, death of dream, death of the relationship. Offenses in the marriage divide the marriage. Hello, husband and wife. Offenses in the family divide the family. Offenses in the church divides. The church is a spiritual principle. Offense always leads to division. Offense in the in your workplace, in the company, will divide the company. We've got to arrest offense. We've got to call an offense an offense and learn how to deal with the offense the biblical way. Amen? There is a biblical way. There is, the, 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 there is what you think is the right way, but, there's all what you, but what the Bible says is a biblical way. Amen. See, most of the time when we are, offend, we are offended, we'll find someone to, to talk to, right? To download. And once you start downloading, that's when you're now spreading the offense. You're laying a trap that will stumble someone else. That's what the offense looks like. When Melody goes back to her school because she's offended with a friend and she starts gathering a few friends and start downloading. It can come in different ways. It, it may look like anger. I'm so angry. It may look like self-pity. Woe is me. I've got no one that loves me. It can come in different ways. But the outcome is the same. You are sowing discord. You are Amen? On the other hand, how many of us have talked to someone and they download their stuff on us? Right? We are, we, we are the recipient. We, we, we are the one that people try to process their, their offense with. And the next time you meet your offender, this is very interesting, you, you can no longer look at him in the same light, right? Someone comes to you and says, Joy, what she said, oh, it's all because of this and this. And next time you see Joy, you can no longer look at Joy in the same light. You used to have honor, you used to love, you used to like her, but after someone process and download the offense on you, you can no longer look at Joy and Joy in the same light. That's what the offense does. It divides friendship. It happens all the time. All the time. But if we want to take this church to a new level, like what Kirk was saying, level 3, season 3, 3.0, regardless, we need to arrest this trap of offense. Amen? Yes, we need to. We need to be aware. Expose it when someone comes to you with an offense. And we'll talk about that as I close. All right, there are, two, there are just two things I want to say as I close. How do we deal with offense when we are offended? And when someone comes to us with an offense, practical application. Just to build the culture of honor in this church. See, honor, uh, honor attracts favor. Honor attracts growth. Honor attracts power. Honor attracts God's presence. And part of the culture of honor, if you have been following what we've been talking about, is you know, we, we celebrate who the person is without being offended by who he or she is not. But human nature is always, we are offended by who the person is not and we don't celebrate who the person is. We're, we're, we're offended by the, by the prophet's lack of pastoral care and not the prophet's ability to see beyond the here and now. We're offended by the evangelist's lack of, I don't know, lack, lack of depth in the scriptures. 
The evangelists always talk about the same thing, one, salvation, 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 and not celebrate the, the evangelist's passion for souls. Right? And with that, we compromise and we shortchange and we don't receive the gift that God wants to release from that person's call and purpose. Amen? Come on. When we receive the prophet, in the name of the prophet, the name means nature there, there right? We receive the prophet's reward. The same, when we receive the apostle, you receive the apostle's reward. When we receive the evangelist, you receive the reward. But oftentimes, because we look at what the person is not and we are offended, we don't receive his gift. We don't celebrate who he or she is. And so how do we deal with offense? When someone comes to us offended, what do we do? See, usually what the person is trying to do, if you look at the screen, he or or she has an agenda, whether he knows it or he doesn't know it, but this person who's offended is trying to draw others into the offense to justify self, to seek to bring us into agreement with them, make us feel like how they feel, draw us to agree with the judgment of the offender, coerce us, either intentionally or unintentionally, to take side and create division and to tell us that they are right to hold these, ad- ad- or hold these ad- attitudes. That's what people are trying to do when it comes to us to process your offense. They're trying to draw us to, to their side. And the root of that behavior is hatred. So when you feel, so when you're, when you're, when you feel offended, what do you do? All right. Have you been offended before? Let's go to something really practical. Have you been, been offended? How many people have not been offended before? How many, how many people have been offended before? Yes, most of us, right? So when you're offended, when you feel offended, what do you do? I, I've, I've got a four-step so, solution here, all right? Number one, bring it to the Lord first. Don't bring it to Instagram. Don't go to Facebook. Even if you're offended with your wife, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't talk to your children, parents, when you're offended with your spouse. Bring it to the Lord first. Ask the Holy Spirit to help. Expose your feelings before God and ask yourself, how did I lose this peace? Why am I losing honor for this person? Why? Forgive and bless the person. See, forgiveness is always a choice. All right? Then you start processing the offense because the, the, the spiritual thing to do, and you heard this in the seven last words of Jesus' series, right, on the cross. Father, forgive them. Why? Why? Come on. For they don't know what they are doing. Oftentimes, the, the, the offender doesn't know that he has been offensive. It happens to me when I was growing up. After one year of having a conversation with one of our church members, this guy come, came to me and said, Daniel, can I have a chat with you? I said, sure. As far as I'm concerned, I look forward to having a conversation. He sat me down and he said, I've been offended with you for one year. I said, huh, really? I, couldn't, I didn't even know. All right? 
So Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. I didn't even know that I have been offensive. I didn't even know that I've let someone else down. I didn't even know. Alright, so go to the Lord first. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Find the source of the offense and forgive and bless the offender. It is a choice. Joseph made a choice before he reconciled with his brother. He chose to release forgiveness first of all. He chose to say, I bless my brothers. It is a choice. Then you resolve it with the offender. You resolve the offense from the place of forgiveness and grace. Amen. That's the best place to be in. You are powerful. You are spiritual. You can make a decision to forgive. Don't say, I cannot. You are powerful. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit. You have a choice. You can choose. That's what Jesus bought for you on the cross. You shall know the truth. The truth will free you. You are already a free person. You are no longer stuck to the trap of offense. You are no longer stuck to unforgiveness. You are free. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. And whenever you are offended, whether it's by a leader, by a parent, by a friend, you are powerful enough to go to God and say, Father, I forgive this person. Jesus, my brother, is my example. You are powerful. Turn to the person next and say, you are powerful. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power of God is on you and in you. You can make these decisions regardless of whether the offender says sorry to you or hasn't said sorry to you. You choose to forgive. Amen. Come on, help me preach. Bring it to the Lord first. Ask Holy Spirit for help. Release forgiveness. Then you resolve it with the offender. You resolve it from a posture of grace. Amen. And you do it Matthew 18.15 style. Alright? Matthew 18.15 is the key verse here. Memorize it, underline it, remember it for the rest of your life. This is the secret. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, the word sin means let you down, alright? Miss the mark in the relationship. If, which means it will happen, alright? Go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. The keyword there is alone. First, go and tell him uh, the fault between him and you alone. If he hears you, again, it's always a choice. If he hears you, you have again your brother. What's the goal? What's the goal of the resolution? What's the goal of the confrontation? Come on, help me. What's the goal? What's Jesus saying here? The goal is to gain a brother. That's the goal. The goal is not to prove that you are right. He is wrong or, 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 or I'm wrong, you are right. No, the goal is reconciliation. The goal is to gain a brother or to gain a sister or to gain a friend or to gain a spouse or to gain a brother. Oh, I said that before. To gain a sister. The goal is reconciliation. Not to prove that you are right. She is wrong. I'm wrong. You are right. It's not about right and wrong. It's about life. You want to eat from the tree of life, not the tree of good or evil. You did this right, this is wrong. Now, we can process that afterwards, all right? But the goal in confrontation when you're offended is to gain a brother. And the devil hates that because two are better than one. Because when there is unity, there is power. When the church is united like that, there's nowhere we can't go. 
all things are possible in the place of agreement. Amen? The goal is to gain a brother. When you meet this person, talk face to face, get straight to the point, identify the specific action, how it affected you, the way you spoke to me, what you didn't do. This affected me. And oftentimes, the person will say, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't even know. Or if the person is intentional or he did it the wrong way, he says, okay, this is the reason why. Always allow the person to explain himself, especially if you know that this person is for you, not against you. And even if this person is spreading lies, when you meet him and say, why are you spreading lies? Resolve it with the offender. Number three, listen to understand the other person. That's the key word. Don't keep talking and talking and talking and say, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. <laughs> Listen. Listen. God gives us two ears, one mouth. Listen more. Talk less. I have to learn that. And the fourth step is very important. Own your part. Repent and forgive. Own your part. I'm so, I'm so sorry, guys. I did this wrong. This is where I can improve myself. Will you forgive me for this? Will you help me? How can I improve? How can we, how can we move on in strength? Help, help me. Is this helpful? When you feel offended, at least four things. Bring it to God first. Go in the spirit of reconciliation. Listen more and on your part, forgive and repent. Right now, what if someone comes to you with an offense? What should you do? Right, see, friends, we tend to listen to people because we really care. But can I suggest this to you that now I'll talk a, a bit more about that? But passive listening equals agreement. All right, you, you don't just listen and say, Oh, yeah, oh, so sorry. Passive listening is agreement. Don't agree with a wrong behavior. All right, I'll come to that. The first thing when someone comes to you with an offense is, Guard your heart from premature judgment or offenses. Hello? Turn to the person next to you and say, Guard your heart. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. Take heed to yourself. Guard your heart. When you're offended, guard your heart. When someone comes to you with an offense, guard your heart. Why? Because Proverbs chapter 4 says, Out of your heart, those issues of life. You must guard your heart. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your what? Come on. Heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Always guard your heart. When someone comes to you with an offense, guard your heart from premature judgment or offense. First thing, when someone comes to you and says, can I pray first? Because <laughs> like, guard your heart, all right? Or, in your, or you make a pre-decision. Always guard your heart. When you hear a gossip, when you hear an, an angry person talk to you, guard your heart. Number two, don't just listen and agree. Give biblical direction. Now, you are powerful. I know I, I kept saying this, all right? But the Holy Spirit is in you. He's your teacher. You are empowered. You, don't, you can't say, oh, I'm not a Bible teacher. I cannot give Bible instruction. No, you can. God has got no grandchildren. We're all His kids. Right? Don't just listen and agree. Give biblical direction. As I said, passive listening equals agreement. Do Proverbs 18, 17. All right? Remember that. There are always two sides 
to the story. Next verse, please. Next slide. All right. The first to speak in court sounds right. Until the cross-examination begins. There are always two sides to the story. The lawyers here would know this, right? <laughs> you can't just li- listen to one side of the story. There are always two sides. Right. Second verse, Proverbs 18 verse that verse uh, uh, 13, it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. <gasps> don't, don't like how direct the Bible is. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Don't come to conclusion without hearing the other side. There's always two sides to, to the story. Teach them this verse. When it comes to you with an offense, I know it's time, but give me a few more minutes. When it comes to you with an offense, instruct them. Have you done Matthew 18? Have you done Proverbs 18, 17? Have you done Proverbs 18, 13? Don't come to a conclusion yet. Hear the other side. Go to the person. That's when you go to, to the third step and say, challenge the person to obey Matthew 18. If Andre comes to me and says, I'm so angry at John Wong, I'll say, there are always two sides. Andre, have you practiced Matthew 18 yet? What's the goal? Gain a brother. <laughs> what should you do? Go to John and sit down, find a quiet spot, and process. Go to Jesus first. Bring him through what you just learned. Take it as a slide. Photocopy it. Save it in your phone. When a person is offended, Practice when you feel offended. Four steps. Number one, go to Jesus first, all right? In fact, it's wrong for you to come to me, all right? So go back first, pray, then you process it with me, all right? Go back. Number three, challenge the person to obey Jesus' directive. The goal is reconciliation. The goal is to stop breaches in relationship. The goal is to draw people together. The goal is to unite because when there's agreement on the earth, there is blessing flowing from heaven. Amen. That's the goal. And number four, together with the person, hold hands Unless it's an opposite gender, don't give the wrong idea. If the same sex, just hold hand and say, let's bless this offender. Shall we? Shall we bless this person who has let you down? Shall, shall we just pronounce God's best over his life? Shall we? Why? Because you, you are, God has allowed, as I close, bend on stage please. God has actually chosen you to be a peacemaker. Hello? Hear me? The fact that the offended can say, just help me preach, alright? Come here. Melody offended. She comes to me. She's offended with cons. Her aunt. Because aunt cons forgot her birthday. Didn't wish her. So she's offended. Everyone remembers. Even, you know, even Travis remembers. Evelyn remembers. But Aunt Cons, my honorable favorite auntie who always remembers, forgot to wish me happy birthday. Oh. She came to me and she was crying and she said, Do you know what, Dad? Cons forgot my birthday. I feel, I feel like things have changed. Ever since she got married to Jason, things have changed. Before that, when she was my youth leader, she remembers all our birthdays. She will text us, she will send us cards, she will take us out. But ever since Susu got into her life, things are different. I think she's no longer as loving. 
and you, and you start passing judgment, right? This is what, what we do, right? I think, you know, she's becoming selfish. You know, I think, you know, God's call is uh, slowly fading from her life. I think she's, she's no longer called to youth ministry. I mean, that's, that's what offense does because you start attacking the person, you start taking from her life, not knowing it. You know, I think she's losing the anointing. I think, and also you, you, you just start going into this because that's, that's what your friends does to a person. And, and where she is, her ear starts like, you know, uh, someone talking bad about me. But, you know, that's what I think. And she comes to me. Now, if I passively listen to her, I'm actually agreeing. My job is to say, hey, remember, have you, have you gone to Jesus yet? No. Why don't you do that? Five minutes, go to your room and say, Father, forgive cons. She doesn't know what she's do- she doing. And then come back, process it with me again. All right, and uh, just go through it. There are always two sides. Matthew 18 says, you should go, you should drop cons. Oh, no, is it cons? Can I meet you? Have a chat. I'd love, uh, love to talk to you about something, right? And cons will usually say, sure, why not? Next year, no, <laughs> next week. <laughs> I need, I, need, I need to resolve something with you. Sure, next week. All right, then you go to, to cons and you talk to cons. But before that, and say, shall we bless cons? Yes, let's bless, let's bless Constance. Let's pray, God, you have not take, taken a, a away from Constance's life. Maybe it's a blind spot. Father, we ask that your blessings will flow into her life, that you will bless her and Susu, and that they will grow from strength to strength, provide for them, increase their impact. Start blessing Constance, prophesying greatness over her life. Because why? You are powerful. Why do you want to be the accuser of, be part of the accuser of the brethren? Why, why do you want to be, why do you want to align with the accuser and not align with the peacemaker? And what God has done as when someone comes to you like that, is that now you are the peacemaker. <laughs> you are the peacemaker. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. And the kingdom of God grows from strength to strength. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. It's a very important message. I'm trying my best to communicate it. Communication of my strength. Preaching about victory, that's good. But this is very important. Listen, it's very important in every relationship, on staff, in the marriage, between children and parents. Remember, People are trying. They have got their own baggage. They have got their... Of course, you can't blame it on, on, on their baggage. They have got to learn. But it simply means that people are imperfect. We all stumble. Right? 